0: All right, take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5, and uh, put a finger in 1 Kings chapter 3. All right, I, I, I did talk to you Wednesday night. I was going to preach on uh, Genesis 3 and Genesis 4, Cain and Abel, but I'm going to shelve that for just a little bit. Okay, we're going to get to, to Cain and Abel here, here shortly. I believe it'll be a blessing to you when we do. But over this next week, maybe two weeks, uh, we're going to talk about this subject here. Give me wisdom. Can you say that with me? Give me wisdom. Can you say that for somebody else? Give them wisdom. How about that? We all need more wisdom, don't we? All right. So uh, Jesus is speaking here in Matthew 5. Let's read verses 13 through 16. This is the, the, uh, a part of the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' more famous teachings. Jesus says this, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Lord, thank you for blessing our hearing of your word. So Jesus makes two declarations here over us as believers, two of them. He says some amazing things about us, actually, about who we are and and what we are to be in the world. He says that you and I, as as followers of Jesus, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Now, that's amazing because all of a sudden he gives us prominence. He gives us uh, 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 meaning. And he says, your job is to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And as Jesus is speaking this to us, whenever Jesus speaks, it's, it's amazing what it does because his words go out just like they did in Genesis chapter one in creation, his word goes out and it creates whatever he wants it to create. So when Jesus speaks to you and I, and says, you are the salt of the earth, that creates something in us that creates faith for us to be that you realize that. So we we receive that in Jesus' name. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Declare that over yourself. Can you do that? Can you say this with me? I am the salt of the earth. Say it again. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. You realize that, that you are. You are. In fact, we have a little saying, you know, in fact, uh, Somebody said something about that the other day that, that came and they met some of the folks here in town and all that. They said, those people are just kind of the salt of the earth kind of people. You ever heard that kind of thing? That, that's, what, that's what we want to set over us. So these two declarations. Now, Jesus says right here that salt is, is flavoring. You are the salt of the earth. What does it say? But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Now, so he's dealing with the idea of salt, not as preservative as it may be dealt with in other scriptures and other passages. He's dealing with salt as flavoring. If you put salt on food just right, what does it do to the food? It makes it taste better. You know, my mom's on this diet right now that that she's having to deal with, with with some of her health issues. And they've cut her back on salt. In fact, she can't use salt and they said, you can go use this no salt. And she said, no, thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever, ever, ever tasted that stuff? No salt? I don't know what it is. It just don't taste right to me. You know, you may, you may like it, but I, I can't stand it. But he uses this idea of salt. And if it's put on food properly, salt makes stuff taste better. Okay, so now when Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth He is telling us as believers, we are to help make life better and to taste better for other people. You get that? Because we bring something to the earth in the spirit of Jesus and and, and the power of his word and the power of his spirit. We bring something to the earth that is supposed to enhance our communities. It's supposed to enhance our families. It's supposed to enhance the place where we work. It's supposed to make it better. Because we are the carriers of the kingdom of God. We are the carriers of the life of God. The the spirit of God dwells within us. So we are to be people who help other people's lives taste better. You get that? Now, we're just kind of trying to think through what Jesus is telling us here. But he says there's a problem with believers who are not real salty. There's a problem if they lose that saltiness. If they lose that edge, if they lose that distinction, that flavoring aspect of their life, there's a problem. And Jesus says that that kind of salt is good for nothing. Well, I mean, just because if you, if you were to have salt and you sprinkle on your food and it doesn't do anything, then it's good for nothing. Doesn't that make sense? So if Jesus has followers who are out there and they're, they're not really doing what they're called to do to bring love, joy, and peace and all the things that Jesus wants us to bring... He says that that really doesn't do what he wants done in the world. It's good for nothing. The idea of good for nothing, let me just make a connection here. The idea of good for nothing is the idea of foolishness. So if if a believer is in the world and is not salty, then it's just absolutely foolish. It's good for nothing. It didn't say that they're not good for nothing. It, It just says that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So if tasteless salt is foolishness, what would good salt be? I'm, I'm just going to submit this to you, that good salt would be wisdom. You are the wisdom of the earth, or the hope for wisdom for the earth, maybe we should say that. Because Christ, who is wisdom, dwells within us, and he wants to bring that wisdom to the people around us. So this idea of saltiness us being the salt of the earth is the idea that we help bring the wisdom of God, divine wisdom, supernatural wisdom from God. We help. We're, we're called to help bring that flavor. You know, we, we've got all kind of chaos going on in our world, in, in our minds, in, in our children, our teenagers, and, and all kinds of thoughts and things that, that shouldn't even hardly really even be entertained, but they're here. They're here. You and I have an opportunity. Anytime chaos comes, it's an opportunity. It's also chaos, but it's also an opportunity. We have an opportunity to bring divine wisdom. Now, you can just get into the old talk that everybody else is doing. I I find myself falling into that trap from time to time. You can talk just like everybody else is talking. Or you and I can help bring another kind of wisdom to the table. That's the idea of being salt. You see what I'm talking about? Because Jesus actually talks a lot about conflict. You know, I I was just thinking yesterday as I'm meditating on some of this kind of stuff. Jesus, Jesus's environment, you know, the stuff we're seeing on the news and all that kind of thing. If they would have had a press like what we have today, that would have been in the Jerusalem Post all over the place. Stuff a lot worse than what you and I are watching. Jesus did all of his teaching and moving in a very hostile environment. Really? I mean, he's ducking and diving. You know why he changes town so often? (laughs) He would say things like, I feel the need to go over here. Well, yeah, that, that kind of, there's a lot of pressure over there. You know, he never, he never ran from the pressure, but he also had wisdom to get done what he needed to get done. But there was all kinds of hostility. The Romans were against him. Uh, a lot of the, the Jewish leaders were against him. A lot of his own family members didn't understand him. All those kind of things were happening every, everywhere, even within his disciples, the group, his, one of them was a, a traitor. And none of them really understood what he was saying and doing. They just look at him and say, oh, that's good, Jesus. I don't have a clue what you just said. (laughs) You know, he he was dealing with that kind of confusion and chaos everywhere he went. But, But politically speaking and culturally speaking, socially speaking, the pressure was on Jesus all the time. But what did he do all the time everywhere he went? He brought divine wisdom, divine perspective. He brought another way. You know, they always brought Jesus a question. They said, is it this or that? And Jesus said, no, it's the other. It's not either this or that. So in our world today, is it, you know, are you, are you, are you for the protest? Are you for the police? Well, it's, it's, it's neither. There's, there's another answer to that question. I don't have to be for this and against this or for this and against this. We've we got to bring some kind of sensibility as believers into all this conflict and, and not to even mention, we got the stuff we're watching on TV and we're seeing on, on the news and maybe even some of our streets. We're seeing some of that kind of stuff. But that doesn't even discount all of the other chaos we've got going. All you with teenagers, you know all that kind of stuff. All you with children and financial situations and all kinds of struggles. and We've got all of that on top. We need divine wisdom. We need wisdom. And oftentimes, the solution is not this or that. They'd ask Jesus a question. Is it this or that? And Jesus would always show a third way a better way, a higher way. See, that's salt. That's what salt does. That's what the salt of the earth is to do with this idea of wisdom, all right? So so wisdom, we are the wisdom of God to the world because Christ, who is wisdom, dwells within us. And wisdom is simply this. It's the solution to the problems, the dilemmas, the challenges, and the chaos of life. And don't we need some solutions right now? Don't we need some solutions? And I found that you got to work your solutions within your sphere of influence. You know, the president not called me yet and all this. You know why? I don't have any influence there. I don't have any business there. I'm, I'm, my authority doesn't extend to there, but it does to you. It does to my family. It does to some of my friends. If you're an employer, it, it goes to your employees. If you're a parent, it goes to your, obviously your family. Just whatever. If you're a worker, you've got a sphere of influence with your friends and, and co-workers and all those kind of things. Wherever your sphere of influence, that's where you are to be salt. You know, we're all trying to solve all the big problems in Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, all the, all the places all over the world. We're trying to solve the problems of the White House. Hey, let's go to your house. That's where we got to start, where we got to be salt right there. You know, because if you ain't got a good idea how to run your house, you probably can't run the White House. I mean, I'm just saying. It's just true, isn't it? So let's take that salt where our sphere of influence is. Let's ask God to help us with wisdom. You and I are to flavor the people around us with this supernatural wisdom from God. Now, now here's some of that wisdom. Here's some of that wisdom. And we've got to learn to do it in right dosage and quantity. Because what happens if you just take salt? Say you got a bunch of broccoli over there on the the plate. and, And what happens if you just dump too much salt on the broccoli? What do you do to the broccoli? (laughs) <laughs> it makes it better <laughs> which reminds me about yeah kale Kale, there ain't nothing you can do with kale is it uh, <laughs> it said you know when you cook kale cook it with a little bit of butter because it's easier to scrape it right off into the trash can anyway <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry for all my kale fans <laughs> but what happens if you put too much seasoning on, on the vegetables it, it, it runs them so we've got to have wisdom but we also got to have wisdom to know how to use the wisdom because we all have come in contact and some of us have been absolute religious nuts. You know what religious nuts? You know, old boy said, we, I, I pastor a bunch of cereal Christians. They're fruits, flakes, and nuts. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. It'll get better, I hope. It'll, it'll, get, it'll get better, I hope. But you know what they did? They, they've got maybe a level of divine wisdom, but they, they poured all the salt on the broccoli. You know what I'm talking about? So there's a, there's a wisdom in how to know how to use wisdom as well, you know. And yes, Jesus is the answer to everything. It, it kind of reminds me of little Johnny. He was in Sunday school, little Johnny. You know, and, and the teacher said, little Johnny, he said, she said, what well, climbs trees, eats nuts, and has a furry tail? She said, Johnny, thanks for a second. He said, well, we're in Sunday school. It sounds a lot like a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that, never, mind, never mind. I told you, get better. It just got a lot worse, didn't it? <laughs> we got to learn how to be salt, how to give it, how to disperse it out, okay? How much it takes to make it taste better and not worse, all right? Now, here's a little bit of that salt we know, a little bit of that wisdom that you and I know. You and I have something that the world really needs. Everyone needs, they just don't even know it yet. Haggai 2, seven. Haggai, that prophet, you know? He says this about Jesus. He says this about Messiah. He says, Jesus is the desire of all nations. That's a little bit of wisdom. The the scripture tells us that Jesus is the desire of all nations. So that that means that Jesus is not just the king that everybody needs, which he is. And that's how we present him. But really, if you were to, to dig into Jesus and who he really is, you would find out that he actually is the desire of your soul. That he actually is not just the king that you need, he actually is the king that you actually want over your life. That he's perfect in all of his ways. He's perfect in righteousness. He always does everything right. He's full of mercy. He's able to forgive even when you transgress his highest of standards. He's able to heal when it hurts. No matter if it's physical pain, internal pain, if it's a broken heart, he's able to heal it. He is the prince of peace that can speak to any storm in any life and say, peace, be still in the winds and waves. They obey his command. He's the king that's full of joy. He's full of joy in a chaotic world. How in the world do you do that as the king who's responsible for everything? How do you do that? Jesus has the way. He's the wisdom of God. He's perfect love. He's perfect love for the oppressor. We see him talking to people who are, are the oppressors in the New Testament. He's perfect love for them. But he's also perfect love for the oppressed. How do you balance that? He does. Jesus is the king that everybody wants. And wouldn't you want a king that can raise the dead? <laughs> it's only found in Jesus. He is the king that we really he's, he's the desire of all of our hearts. The problem is most people don't know it yet. See, that's what that's what we do, is we, we salt the world with that idea. That's, that's wisdom. We're his ambassadors. Salt. So let, let, let's go over to 1 Kings 3. There's a lot we could talk about, more salt and more light. We'll do that a little bit later. Let's go to the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. You got it? 1 Kings. It's the book right before 2 Kings. You got that? (laughs) I told you it's going to get better. It just keeps getting worse. (laughs) Billy, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I was born this way. That's what's wrong with me. It's okay. So Let's take a look at Solomon. You know, aside from Jesus Christ, Solomon is known as the wisest man to have ever lived. You ever read some of his stuff? What's the stuff he wrote in the Bible? What do we know about him? Well, he wrote Proverbs. You've got a lot of them done. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. His life is, is spoken of quite commonly in 1 uh, Kings here. Solomon has just become king. Who, who's his father? Remember Solomon's dad? David, David the greatest king that's ever lived you know, on the earth. You know? Greatest king Israel has ever known. David has now died. Solomon is his successor. Solomon now becomes king. And he's had to handle some very difficult things in his early days as being king. And it seems as we're in 1 Kings chapter 3, it seems that Solomon has now come to the realization that he's in over his head. You ever feel like that? On the job, the family, just life in general sometimes. You ever feel like, you know, I'm in over my head. you, You jumped in the deep end and all of a sudden, guess what? You can't touch bottom anymore. And you can barely swim. Solomon realizes that he's in over his head. Now we don't like that feeling. But that's often the place God puts us. To where we're in over our heads. And it's a place where we have to learn in life. That now we have to become dependent on God. And here's, here's, the, here's the secret. Here's some more salt for you. Here's, here's the secret. You're more dependent on God than you ever imagined. Hey. If he doesn't give you your next breath it's over. You realize that? If he doesn't help me along the way, my family's over. If he did not help me along the way, my finances are going to be You know what I'm talking about? That kind of thing. We're more dependent on God than we ever have realized. Solomon comes to this realization, it seems like, in chapter 3. And he's hungry. He's hungry for help. What do you do when you're hungry for help? Help! You you cry out for help. And that's kind of what Solomon's heart is doing. And and let's pick it up in verse number five. First Kings three, five. He is at Gibeon. Now, Gibeon is a place where we believe that the the tabernacle of Moses was at at this particular time. Um, It's kind of one of those holy places that you keep coming in contact with in the Old Testament. He is at Gibeon. And it says this in verse number five. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? So he's in a dream. He's, he's asleep. Okay. Oftentimes God has, God has to talk to us in our sleep because we won't listen while we're awake. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever had some significant dreams that really have kind of impacted your life? Sure. sure. And I'm not just talking about pepperoni, peach and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about for, for real dreams. I've had, I've had a few in my life. And in fact, we see this idea in the scriptures throughout that, that men and women have dreams that, that disturb them to the point where they seek God and, and God turns the whole situation around. So God comes to him and he's actually dreaming with God. And God speaks to this man's heart and says, what do you want? Almost sounds like that, the, the, the lamp and the genie kind of thing, don't you? You just rub right here and then boom, what, what do you want? It, it kind of, you know, not to, not to distort the idea, but it, it kind of is that idea. God comes to him and says, What do you want? I'll give you anything you want. What if God came to you and I and asked you, let's just deal with you. What if God came to you and asked you, So, what do you want? Blank check. You have whatever you want. I got it. I love you. So what do you want? What would your next sentence be? Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, you can't wish for more wishes. Okay, let's say that. <laughs> that's, kind of a, that's kind of a Disney thing. You understand that? You can't wish for more wishes. anyway. What if God came to you and said, what do you want? Brad, what do you want? Put, what do you want? Paul, Pat, what, what do you want? It's a heavy question, is it? But your next words might just chart your destiny, so be careful. Well, well what if you, because Jesus does kind of have that idea for his disciples, too, the ones that walk close with him. Ask me whatever you will, and it will be done. Jesus says the same thing, really, doesn't he? What, what, what would you say? Solomon had an answer. Turns out it was a fabulous answer. Solomon says this in his dream, in his sleep, and this is kind of where it's kind of giving us the idea that it's, it's the, kind of the purity of his heart speaking right here. Okay. You have shown great mercy. This is Solomon's answer. You have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and an uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. That's him. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I am a little child and I do not know how to go out or come in. You know, he's having a self-realization moment in all this question, because when God asks you a question, it it, kind of goes straight to your heart. In fact, a lot of the teachings of Jesus are not wrapped around answers. They're wrapped around questions. Because questions probe, don't they? Questions make you think. Questions reveal what's in here. And that's what God is doing. And, and what Solomon finds out in his heart, he says, I'm, I'm struggling. I really don't have a clue about what I'm doing. I got a lot of responsibility. I got a lot of people leaning on me. I got a lot of things that's happening right here. And they tell me that history is weighing on my shoulders, or at least the history of the people I'm accountable for. And I don't know what I'm doing. Any mamas and daddies ever wake up like that? I don't. Oh, goodness. Yeah. There's a whole lot of folks waking up in our country right now. They're realizing they had great plans and possibilities for our future. And now because of so much chaos, guess what? They don't know what they're doing. They don't. It's obvious. It's obvious to everybody right here. You know, I'm kind of liking this whole scenario, all this kind of stuff. It's like watching one of them bad Saturday B movies. You ever watch one of them bad Saturday B horror movies where the acting is terrible, script is horrible, there's only maybe one, one particular person that kind of knows what they're doing, and, and, and it's the end of the world. You know what I'm talking about? Those kind of movies. And it's like, it's kind of like, it's almost like we're watching a movie because we're watching people in public. It's like they don't know what they're doing. They don't have a plan of action. They got all this reaction going on not to throw dust on them. We we know what that feels like, don't we? I mean, over my head is the idea. I don't know what I'm doing. Verse 8. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Here's his request. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart. To judge your people. Everybody say an understanding heart. Give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Who's able to make these kind of decisions? So, this idea give me an understanding heart. The New King James says understanding heart, the ESV says understanding mind, the NIV says discerning heart, the Message Bible. Says a God listening heart. I really like that idea. Give me a God listening heart. Here's the idea in the Hebrew. So actually a picture. It's actually a picture. Now think think of this picture. An understanding heart in the Hebrew, the picture is this: it's a heart that hears. It's a hearing heart. It's a hearing ear, a listening heart, or a listening ear. So let's let's go back to that phrase right there. Let's put that in. Give to your servant a hearing heart. If we had time, we'd go back into the next story, and is the story where they bring the baby? The two mamas bring the baby, and Solomon has that great word. Says, "Okay, just cut the baby in half and give one half and this other half." And the woman screamed, "No!" So that's the kind of discernment we're talking about. That kind of wisdom. He he heard he somehow or another this this idea of hearing is that he was able to hear the complaint. Take in all the data that the woman was speaking over here and this woman was speaking over here. Look at the baby, all that kind of thing. And then somehow or another, he was able to hear them and he was able to hear him. So that's 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 that kind of hearing heart that we're, we're, we're not aloof to people. We're not so heavenly minded. We're no earthly good. We're not like that. We're not got our head in the clouds and we can't speak to humanity. That's nonsense. That's not salt at all. But yet we're not so hearing them that we can't hear him. We're overwhelmed by the situation. We're bogged down by it. We're confused by it. We're not just hearing them either. And God, give us some leaders that can hear them, but also hear you. Give us some moms and dads that can hear our, the cries of our children and all the things that are going on in our homes and our businesses. Give us the, the heart to hear them, but don't let us just hear them. we gotta, we got to hear you. You see what I'm talking about? That, that's this idea of this hearing heart. You see what I'm talking about? So you find out already Solomon was a pretty wise man before he really became a wise man. <laughs> because it takes a lot of wisdom to know you're not real smart. Forgive my speech because we've got too many people who are educated idiots, actually. And they've gotten, as my mama would say, a little bit too big for their britches. But my mama always knew how to tighten it up. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So we ask him for this, this hearing heart. What I, 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 I want to be able to understand. And we can understand without becoming a basket case. You know, we, we, we can understand. We can hear. It's a hearing heart. God's response to this. The speech, verse number 10. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Hmm. And that's, that's kind of amazing. All by itself, God was impressed. I said, I like that. It, it pleased the Lord. Now, again, go back to the question. You're, you're asked the question, what, what would you... Think very carefully. Speak very carefully. Might have to put you out so we get an honest answer. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) How about what you're asking? Would would that amaze God? Or would it just sound just like everybody else's? Personally, I'm going to just go with what Solomon did. It worked pretty good, didn't it? I think that's a good, good clue. All right. Verse number 11. Then God spoke again to Solomon. God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor riches for yourself, nor have you asked the life of your enemies. Wait a minute now. God heard what he asked, but God also heard what he didn't ask. It's kind of like this. The scripture says that the word of God goes in and it divides the very thought and intent of the heart. So God knows what's going on and he also knows the motive behind it. And he heard what he asked, that was a good thing. But he also heard what he didn't ask. He said, Solomon, you know what? Because you didn't go for selfishness reasons, you didn't ask for things for you to get propped up in a nice, easy, comfortable life. I heard what you didn't even say. But you asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. To discern justice. You hear that word a lot lately, have not you? Hadn't you heard that word a lot in the last three or four days? The word justice. That's what this wisdom was for, so that he could bring justice in the earth, the right thing. Justice is simply just the right thing. Behold, verse 12, I have done according to your words. I I gave you a chance. I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall any like you arise after. And I've also given you what you have not asked. You see that, in in fact, Paul says this kind of thing, that God is able to give you exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Remember that that passage? This is what, we see it played out right here. He gives him more than he asked for. And you see, this is the extra blessing. This is the abundant grace and God being rich in mercy towards us that, that he'll take care of. It kind of reminds me of what Jesus says. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things... Or be added to you. Isn't that what he says? All the things, you're, you're, the material things and all the things you need and have need of, they'll be added to you. Solomon does that. And that's exactly what happens. And his life is kind of a testament to that truth. He said, I've given you both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. Solomon is one of the richest men that's ever lived. Verse number 14, God put some stipulations on it. He wants him to be obedient. Don't don't lose track here, Solomon. Don't, Don't get off track. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke. You know, when you wake up after you dream with God, it's a new day and everything changes. He Solomon awoke. He woke up. And indeed, it had been a dream, and he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. He woke up. I I, I tend to think that he just didn't wake up out of sleep. I think he woke up to his destiny. He woke up to who he really was because the only way you can find out who you really are is to spend time with the one who knows who you are. And that's what he did. That that whole one night changed his whole destiny. It changed human history, actually. That one night. Now, let's reiterate. How did Solomon become so wise? I mean, he's got Proverbs all all over the place. You you read some of his things, and and we only have just a small portion of his writings in Scripture from what what is said about him. How did Solomon become so wise? How did he become so wise? It, It was a gift given to him, wasn't it? He asked, God gave. That's grace. Now, let's let's translate this. How can you and I become wiser? How, How can we become wiser? Solomon asked. He knew he wasn't wise enough for what he had facing him. God answered, and he literally transformed something inside of that man. I will give you a hearing heart, I will, gi- husbands and wives, I will give you a heart to where you can hear your spouse. Because there's men in the room. I will give you, I got to repeat myself, right? <laughs> a heart to hear your spouse. And I'm not talking about hearing what they're saying, because sometimes that, that, that's that, it's, it's rough. <laughs> sometimes, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it just is. I'm not talking about just hear the chatter. I'm talking about to hear them and know them. Know how to love them. Know how to minister to them. Know how to care for them. Know what they need. Know how to, you know what I'm saying. Don't we need that for our children? And you can, you can have uh, three children that live in the same house, sleep in the same hallway, raised by the same people, eat the same meat and potatoes for 25 years, and all three of them slam different as you can be. Anybody know anything about that, Emily? I mean, anybody know anything about all that? <laughs> It's just the way it is, and so you need a heart to be able to hear each one of those little voices in, in your life, don't you? Employees, business solutions, all those kind of things. time and time again, we have illustration after like Joseph and Daniel, men and, 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 and even ladies like, like Ruth and, and uh, uh, what, what's the other name I 'm thinking of what's the other name? Uh, Queen Esther, Esther, that's, that's her, had, had insight and wisdom to be able to understand the situation, know what the application is, know what the solution is, and, and know what, had the courage to do it. See, that's an understanding heart. We see this time and time again. Moses was the, one of the wisest men that walked the planet when he was alive. He knew how to govern. He knew how to protect. He knew how to fight. He knew how to pull back. He, he knew. <laughs> Most of all, he knew how to hear God. My birds are back. Did y'all hear that? Yeah. Okay, thank you, birds. What well, are we reminded of when we hear the birds? God's gonna take care of us. And I heard him. He just said that to us. Did you even hear that? I heard that. My heart heard that. You. Did you hear that? <laughs> I got you. Okay. <clears throat> Not to mention a little ADHD doesn't hurt. <laughs> and you, you hear all kind of stuff when you got that. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. God can give you a moment that can change you for a lifetime. And I'm not talking about just answers. I know know you've got prayer on the table right now and you need answers. And may God give you the answers. But what you need really is a hearing heart. It's kind of the same idea. You can give a man fish and feed him for a day. Or you can teach a man how to fish and feed him for a lifetime. You've heard that that proverb? You've heard that idea? It's the same idea. God can give you an answer and it'll it'll solve today's dilemma. But what he wants to do is give you the kind of heart that whatever dilemma comes, whatever it's Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, or 2028, i got the kind of heart that can receive whatever I need to receive. You see what I'm talking about? This kind of encounter is what we need. So I, I would say Solomon had this experience while he was asleep. We get the story. We're fully awake. Most of us. (laughs) So while we're fully awake, why don't we ask him what Solomon asked him? Jesus said it like this. Ask, seek, and knock. And ask as if you're talking to your father who loves you beyond measure. Seek as if you're seeking For a treasure that God actually wants you to find. And you knock as if you're knocking on a door. That God's going to open it if it's for you. He's going to close it if it's not. But we're knocking on doors that we know he's governing our steps. So we're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking. This is what we're talking about here. Let's let's wrap it up with this. Here's, Here's just some quick little thoughts. About a hearing heart. Ask the Lord to give you a hearing heart. Some of your relationships, let me just be real frank and honest because I've, I've had to struggle with this myself. Obviously, it's, it's a constant battle. Some of our relationships are suffering right now just simply because we won't listen. Not all the problems in your life, but many of the problems in your relationships could be solved if you would just listen. If you would get a listening heart. I know we've got a talking mouth, but what we need is a listening heart. Does that make sense? And if we get a listening heart, then what our mouth talks about, it's going to be a little bit better. So ask the Lord to give you a hearing heart. Ask him. Second thing is pay more attention to what you're hearing. Source wise, be careful. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. We remember that song? Did y'all sing that song? Pay more attention to what you're hearing. And listen, practice. Practice, practice listening. Practice listening. Slow yourself down. I'll tell you what. For your husband and your wife, blow them away. And just listen. Just, it'll it'll freak them out, actually. Be like, they come take your temperature. What's wrong with you? You got corona, or something, man? You hear something wrong with you? You sick? You just listening? <laughs> Blow them away. Practice listening. Practice it. God's going to give it to you. You're going to ask. He's going to give you something, but you're going to have to learn to exercise it and practice it. All right? Practice listening. Go outside. Do do this from time to time. Go outside and just listen. I mean, practice. I mean, for for real. I'm not not trying to be weird. not trying to be out there. Nothing like that. You go outside and just practice listening. Take some time. Go sit on the front porch or back porch, wherever it works for you. Go take some time. Try to distinguish all the different little sounds you hear. Birds. Log trucks, how do I know all this? <laughs> Riding them down the road. I hear it all the time. And try to distinguish eight or ten different sounds. You're, you're teaching yourself how to listen. You've got to teach yourself how to listen now. All right? Third thing get in the Word and listen for His voice. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, you can read the Bible and it can just be a book. But you can read the Bible and it can become His voice. You know the difference? You know, in fact, that's, that's, that's actually how I, I read the Bible, it, is I read the Bible, and it, sometimes it's chapters at a time, and I'll read chapters at a time until something jumps out at me. I call it 3D. It, it just jumps 3D, comes right at me. And when I have that experience, I don't know how it's going to work with you, but it's me. When I have that experience, that's when I stop. Sometimes it's just a couple words. When I, whenever I get that experience, that's, he's talking something to me. i got to listen. Now, it may just be a quick listen, It might be a whole study. It might turn into a three or four part sermon series for y'all. I don't know. It just depends on what the situation is. But I learn to listen. I, I read until I hear his voice. Do that. Get in the Word. Do that. You're training yourself how to listen. And when I hear what he says, that's when I engage him in conversation. I talk to him. Or I, or I make a prayer about it. I mean, something. you know how it is when you read sometimes and you're like, ooh, it hurts. It's like conviction. It's like, man, I need to do more of that. Well, I pray that conviction. I'm hearing him talk to my heart. He's, he's bringing medicine to my soul. And the last, last thing. Listen to people more this week. Talk less. Listen to people more. On the job. At home. Out and about. You know, actually ask somebody a question and wait on the answer. Just slow you sit down. Listen. God wants to give you a listening heart. Because here's the key. If you listen to him, but you're not listening to them, you're getting communication from him, but you're not going to have an opportunity to deliver it. You're not going to be able to deliver the mail. Because they're not going to... You know what it's like. You've been on the phone with them. Good Lord, you've been on the phone with them. You know you have. You're talking and, and you're off talking on each other. Hey, hey, are you still there? Uh, uh, hey, hey, really? For, okay, I mean, what do you usually do? I'm done. I'm done at that point, really, right? Let's learn to listen a little bit more. Listen to people a little bit, talk less. We, we read a scripture Wednesday night, James 1, 19. It says this. It says, be swift to hear, slow to hear. To speak and slow to wrath, slow to anger. The same I did. Let's just learn. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. We're going to join in with our brother, Solomon, who, who's given us a, a, a great testament right here, a great testimony. Lord, he asked for wisdom and you gave it. So we join with our brother. We join with his request. We put faith in this word that you've given us, in this story you've given us, Lord. Oh God, we need more wisdom. And as our title was, Give Me Wisdom. Lord, we just join in concert right there together. As your people, as your family right here in this community, Lord, we ask you to give us more wisdom. We need it for our families, our businesses, just ourselves, Lord. We acknowledge, Lord, that every good and every perfect gift comes from you. We acknowledge that you are the giver of wisdom, that you are the ancient of days, that you are the Lord of heaven and earth. And Jesus, we acknowledge that you are the wisdom of God to us and for us. And I'm reminded of our brother James again, Lord, that said, if you need wisdom, ask for it. Ask for it. And that you'll give it to us liberally. So we ask Jesus, give us wisdom.